Welcome, Rinkrats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 24, exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P U C K H C K Y.com. Use discount code THE RINK for all your Father's Day gifts. We know a lot of fathers out there, a lot of mothers out there <laughs> who uh, would probably like some uh, rink gear or even just some regular puck hockey gear. Uh, head on yes. over and yeah, pick that stuff up, right? Absolutely. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that at length yeah. later in the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, today is Tuesday, June 12, 2018. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? And I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy who ruins everything, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. Hi. I ruin everything. Seriously, these potato heads have to be the unsexiest mob of all time. Yes, and that is true also. You ruin everything, and we are the unsexiest mob of all time. Together, we are your most trusted sources at the favorite hockey online hangout, the-rink.com, where we are currently putting up, uh, thanks to Mr. Uh, Eric Andrews, uh, he's putting up the daily uh, prospect, our draft prospect uh evaluations yeah is that what we call them something we call them i don't know we call them something (laughs) yeah prospect draft prospect uh evaluations so uh yeah head over head on over to the-rink.com and check all those out plus all of your other ice hogs uh indie fuel and chicago blackhawks news eric is working his way up uh from the bottom of the first round in terms (laughs) of projection so it's not literally He's getting um, into the meat, though. He's getting into some big yeah. names. So Yeah, so he's getting up more toward where the Hawks will pick at number eight overall. And uh, so please uh, check those out, and uh, maybe a little later we'll talk about some of those those prospects and um, some news uh, this morning about one of the prospects who's been linked to the Hawks maybe going a bit higher to the Ottawa Senators, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, he's uh, Eric's been doing a great job, so. Um, well, all right. Well, Blackhawk stuff going on. I figured we would throw together this last minute, uh, emergency, not really emergency, but, um, last minute podcast to do a little rant and raving since you and I got, you know, after the lunchtime rush, uh, got into, uh, hearing all, a lot of rumors and, uh, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, first of all, um, just formalities aside, Michael Kepney is a Stanley cup champion. So Yes, he is. I mean, it's sort of a, a fitting capstone to uh, uh, quite a few of our podcasts over the last year uh, or last six months talking yeah. about, you know, the the severely misunderstood uh, Michael Kempney and uh, some measure of redemption in, in our belief in him and his ability. And uh, yeah. although there's still some out there who just think he's absolutely horrible and a horrible human being and needs to die. Well, yeah. Um, I- None of us, we never said he was going to be a Norris candidate, but we no. we thought that he was a serviceable, possible top four defenseman that Q was not giving a, a you know, a safe or a, was giving him a, a, an even chance with all the other uh, prospects out there. And it, it certainly looks that way. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, the, my sort of understanding of my observation is that Barry Trotz, you know, after the Caps acquired company, Barry Trotz, you know, just basically kept it simple for him and just told him to play. And I have a feeling that 
he was perhaps a bit overcoached in Chicago. I don't think that um, Joe Quenville and Ole Samuelson didn't try, but they may have tried too hard. And then I think they got inside Kempney's head a little bit. And, uh, you know, he was, he was either playing way too hard and trying to do too many things or not trying to do enough. And he just seemed in Washington to get into a groove and, and play within himself. And, and uh, he was able to let his athletic ability take over, which that's, that's the thing that, um, even the, the Kempley, Kempley doubters can't really argue with is the fact that the guy's an exceptional athlete. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always said, you know, if, if a guy starts with great athletic ability, he can be coached. If a guy has no athletic ability, you know, coaching will get him only so far. But the guy with great ability has that higher upside because um, you can coach it. You can coach it. Potentially, some guys don't take coaching. But um, so far in Washington, Kempney has, and uh, it's part of the story. They're in Washington this year, and uh, you know, good for them, and good especially for Barry Trotz. Yeah, good for that whole team. I mean, I was yeah. happy to see that. I I wanted to see Ovi get a cup, and he did. And yep. uh, you know, John Carlson, and yep. I I didn't even hate seeing T.J. Oshie raise the cup. I mean, that was that was good by me. I mean, he's not a blue yeah. anymore, so he's washed that. Right. Uh, he he's washed that stink off of him. Yeah, yeah. I would don't even think of him as a blue anymore. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah, very good, very good stuff. Uh, the Blackhawks also made a couple of signings. Uh, they signed a Swedish forward, Jacob Nielsen. Uh, he's probably going to just be a depth guy, uh, unless he shows something extraordinary in camp and, and turns into the next David Kampf. He's probably going to be a guy down in Rock for next year. Um, Andreas Martinson, they signed him. They haven't announced the terms of the deal, but they re-signed him for another year, so that's good. He'll probably fight for a uh, you know a thirteenth spot or a yeah twelfth thirteenth yeah. spot on the roster. Um, you know, and I listen. Nobody should get start a start a parade over signing Andreas Martinson, but for this team, what he brings, provided he plays somewhat in control, um, you know, he brings a valuable commodity in terms of you know fourth line energy type of player, tough to play against. Um, makes guys in the other team really have to look over their shoulders because when he's out there, he's hitting somebody and he's hitting them hard. And uh, so I, that's good signing. Yeah, and he can score some goals too. So yep, yep. yeah, he's got some. But decent goes hard hands. to the net for sure. Yeah, he's got some decent hands, some decent size. Seems to fit in pretty well. I kind of like what I saw from him. And I mean, hell, they got him for Kyle Bond. So they're already way over, you know, what they were the getting out of Kyle Bond. Kyle so Bond. yeah. Uh, and then today, the uh, the signing was announced. Henry Yokiharo signed his three-year entry-level deal. Um, that started our day today. Uh, that's, I mean, it, 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 sure, he signed. If he doesn't make the team out of camp, because he's only he's going to be 19 years old, he uh, if he doesn't make the team, he goes back to junior for a year. Yeah, I would say it's exceedingly unlikely he makes the team out of camp. Yeah, uh, right. Unless there's some some trade where the, the Hawks subtract um, from their veteran core. But I just, you know, and they go into full rebuild mode. <laughs> I think they're uh, going to, they would, they would have to subtract a couple. <laughs> yeah, right. I right. mean, the, the, it's getting pretty busy down in the, the, that defensive core. Not saying the quality is all that great, but uh, there's a lot of people standing around. So, um, yeah. But so that's, that per per the CHL slash AHL agreement, uh, if a player is not 20 years old by the end of back. what's that? Yes, go back to junior. Yeah, right. 
If he's not 20 years old by the end of the calendar year, um, then instead of, he can't be sent down to the AHL. He can only be sent back down to the CHL, which is the Portland Winterhawks where he, uh, so it's very likely he could end up back there, even though he kind of uh, was doing a lot of bum slaying this year. He had a really good year. Uh, he might end up back there because I don't, uh, I don't know. He, he's really going to have to stand out for him to make the team. And uh, I, you know, yeah. there's an argument that could be made that defense is probably the toughest position to transition to in the NHL from the lower ranks. And, uh, um, I just, yeah, I, I just don't see that happening this year. Yeah, me either. Um, that's kind of, that kind of addresses a question we got from, uh, somebody here. I got to look through the questions. Someone asked what is, uh, about, uh, Yoki Haru's, uh, ceiling and stuff like that. That was oh, our friend Ron Luce. Yeah. And Ron, by the way, is going to do some writing for the rink yeah. this year. Yes, this he coming is. season. We're excited about that. He's done some writing for a couple other websites. And uh, so, yeah. So what is the ceiling slash four for Yuki Haru? And what do you make of the rumors regarding Sod for Falk? Well, we'll, we'll talk about Sod and Falk later. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, we'll get Sod and Falk later. Um, ceiling floor for Yoki Haru, it's hard to say uh, because he hasn't played any pro hockey yet. And, um, you know, it's funny. We had uh, his agent, Pete Rutili, um, on a couple of months ago. Great show. Pete's a great guy. Um, and he spoke naturally, as you might expect, he spoke very highly of him, but I, I liked what he said about him. Um, not just, you know, sort of qualitatively, but, um, just some of his characteristics. Apparently he's very driven. He wants to be an NHL player and he wants to be a good NHL player and he's willing to do the work to be that, um, tremendous skill, um, with a puck on his blade, uh, skates really well. Uh, the issue with him is, is how well he covers back and plays in his own end. And that's going to be, you know, again, that's going to be about commitment and wanting to be better and taking coaching. And so it's kind of hard to say, you know, how high the ceiling is or how, or how low it is, the floor is because there's so many unknowns with him right now. Yeah, the good part about him is he's, while he's not all that tall, he at least has about a 200-pound frame. Yep. He's a little he can bigger. Really skate. Yeah. So um, that's good news uh, when, you know, when you're looking at you know, all the Blackhawks defensemen, all these tiny little defensemen that are in the 180-pound range. Uh, Yoki Haru is about 20 pounds heavier. He's about 6'1", 200, something in that range. And uh, so he's already got, uh, you know, a head start as far as the size goes. Uh, let's just so, see if the, uh, the the hands and the mind go along with the size. Yeah. So a comparable for him, I would say, based upon what I've seen of him, um, even though he shoots with the other hand, today would be an Eric Gustafson type player, but I don't, but I think potentially Yoki Haru is a much better player because you, you hope that he will develop those skills in the other two zones and not just coming up the ice, but going back and covering and playing in his own end, which Gustafson so far has not shown that he has. Um, but, uh, you know, he's definitely with the puck on his blade. He looks like a forward coming up the ice, like a really good offensive winger or center, the way he, he handles the puck and he moves and he skates. Um, so he's got tremendous ability and, and to do that from the back end. But the question is, again, how good of a defender will he be? And, and that remains to be seen. Yeah. And it looks like he could be, he could be that, 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 that power play, that quarterback on the power play. Yes, he could. Um, but again, this is all he could, he could, he could, uh, 
He's a ready shot too. Yeah, we haven't seen him play uh, other than training camp, which wasn't a lot. Um, so I guess we're going to probably get a good dose of him this summer. And we're going to get a better idea of what, uh, you know, in prospect camp, he looked well. He looked really well. You know, as far as the defenseman went, he was one of the better ones out there. Him and uh, Ian Mitchell, uh, Mario, Aaron, and I were all impressed with uh, Yoki Haro, uh, Ian Mitchell, and uh, or Yoki Haro and Ian Mitchell, which are both draft picks last year. So that's promising in the future, but, you know. And I got a chance to see him in a, in a preseason game against Columbus, and uh, his skill really jumps up. Um, so that yeah, there's 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 a lot to be optimistic about. But again, that was offensive skill, bringing the puck up the ice. Um, so it, again, it'll it'll remain to be seen how well rounded he becomes and and how well he adjusts, makes the adjustment from you know junior where he is slaying bumps right now to to pro where there's there's not as much room for error. So we'll see. Yeah, but uh, you know, hey, it's a step in the right direction. Yep. And, uh you know, the, the entry level slides. So if he goes back to junior, that means the three-year uh, three yep. contract starts next year. So they get a yep. fourth year out of him, basically, if he doesn't make it this year. So, you know what? It's not so bad if he ends up back in junior. And, you know, some of us might want, might hope that he, uh, that he does go back to junior so the Blackhawks do get that extra year of development out of him. So yeah, it's not the end of the world. Nope. Uh, so uh, as far as that goes, that's, that's the signings. Um, Another uh, under kind, of, you know. Well, it wasn't wasn't really under the radar, but um, based on the, all the Corey Crawford news and not news and this stuff like that, uh, this week or this week or since we last recorded, uh, there were two announce two announcements, sort of announcements. One was that Corey Crawford is going to be at the fan convention, which uh, take take from that what you will. <laughs> um, that means they're going to trot him out there. That's all that right. means. Whether, right. you know, he's going to, you know, answer any questions regarding his injury or what, we don't know. Um, but also, um, Pappy, uh, our boy Pappy from uh, over at Sports Mockery, he, uh, he found a picture. The guy who paints Corey Crawford's masks um, mm-hmm. put together a new mask, a brand new mask for him this year. No, I don't know that that necessarily means anything. That just means he painted a new mask if he possibly plays. None of this says he's going to play this year. It doesn't really answer any questions other than he hasn't fallen off the face of the earth. So, I I believe Crawford is going to play. The question is, is will he play a full season? Um, you know, because here's the let's just let's just assume, let's just deal with the public explanation that he had post concussion syndrome or concussion syndrome, concussion s- symptoms. Um, wow. I mean, hockey's a contact sport and, and it is even for goalies. And, um, that was how he allegedly sustained this last concussion that put him out for half a season was basically getting kneed in the head by Evgeny Malkin, um, while he was playing goalie. And so, and he's had a concussion before uh, a couple seasons back, he missed about a week due to a concussion. So, um, yeah, it's, I think he's going to play no matter what the issue is with him and they're those rumors persist, but I think he's going to play. The question is regardless really of what, what the actual issue is, whatever it is, it kept him out half a season. And there's an argument that, that no matter what it is, the potential is there for a recurrence. Um, and, um, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No one really knows. All we can do is speculate at this point. So, yep. 
but that that was announced, so we we, we need to talk about it a little bit. So, uh, so the, all that aside, <laughs> all the stuff that came up within the last couple of days um, oh God. with the Blackhawks, yeah, with the draft approaching and the season ending, a lot of speculation. Um, yes, you know we're we're getting into this. What are the Blackhawks going to do with their two picks in the first round? Are they going to trade one? Are they going to keep both? What are they going to do? Who are they going to pick? On top of all this, you have the Blackhawks have some glaring needs. They probably need a center. Um, that's that's a pretty big hole. They have guys that play center. They don't have guys that necessarily always succeed at center. Correct. Um, they need probably a top four defenseman. Uh, Correct. Because they have a bunch of five, six, and seventh defensemen. Yep. And they don't have anyone to help out Duncan Keith. And you could maybe throw Connor, you know, Connor Murphy in there um, as a top four. But other than that, they're kind of lacking in that department. So they're going to need, and they're not going to be able to do it by, you know, the trade or the, the, the draft. Um, no. So uh, there's a lot of different speculation. So, I mean, we could start anywhere. We could start from the first one that came out, which was, if you want to talk about it, the darling thing. Uh, okay. So, this is there's a couple issues here. One, this was not reported as a rumor of a discussion between Ron Francis and Stan Bowman about trading Marion Hulse's contract for Scott Darling. Well, it's not Ron this, Francis anymore. It's uh, what's his face? Uh, the guy who used to be with uh, the Thrashers. Oh well, yeah. sorry about that. No, that's uh, fine. I'm not. I'm not keeping up with Eastern <laughs> yeah. Conference GM moves. But Don um, Waddell. Don Waddell. Sorry. Go ahead. That one, oh, well, there you go. I, I actually did not know that. So that, thank you for that yeah. bit of information. So regardless, didn't start out as a conversation between Don, Don Waddell and Stan Bowman. This was a speculation by Elliot Friedman that a move that would make sense or might make sense would be trading um, Hosts' contract to, to the Hurricanes to get, to get them to the floor um, while paying him only $1 million a year in actual salary. This was explained to me ad infinitum on Twitter by people who weren't hearing my my reasons why this was not a good idea. I'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> so that's that's Caroline's motive. And then to to get rid of Darling, get him off their books, um, while still taking on another $1.25 million in cap hit with, with Hulsa getting them to the floor, I get it, um, and then sending Darling to the Hawks because Corey Crawford's status is uncertain. Now, okay, this is where it starts to fall apart. For a couple of reasons. One, uh, d- trading for Scott Darling and paying him $4 million a year, uh, the Hawks doing that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, now, I, I truly believe that they, the Hawks wanted to keep Darling last year, but when they saw that his price tag was going to get up well above $3 million a year, they, they said, let him go. Um, that's my belief based upon some things I heard. Some people claim that that's not true. It's fabrication, whatever. I just know I heard it from a very reliable source who's been right about a lot of things. So, but they let him go. Now, then he goes to Carolina and he has an absolutely terrible year. The wheels come off. He he loses everything he had in Chicago. So there's a theory that you get him back and Steph Waite can, um, or excuse me, Jimmy Waite. I'm getting all the names wrong tonight. Jimmy (laughs) Waite can, can coach him up and get him back to where he was. That's a pretty risky, risky gamble for a guy like Stan Bowman, who's probably 
already on the hot seat in terms of keeping his job to go out and get this guy who really fell apart. You know, what, what happened to Darling in Carolina reminds me a little bit of Cristobal Huey when he came to Chicago. You know, he'd had some success as a 1B in Montreal and, and it briefly in Washington. They paid him all kinds of money to come to Chicago to eventually replace Nikolai Habibulin. And as soon as he got the number one job, he completely fell apart. It's not too, not too dissimilar to Darling. Um, and I think some of it has to do with getting away with from a coach that he had a comfort level with. Regardless, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Hawks, especially you know, to take him on as an insurance policy in case Crawford can't play. Because then you got $10 million wrapped up in the position and a backup you're paying $4 million. And where, you know, 25 games a season, if he's just a backup, I would argue he doesn't give you a lot more value than what you had last year for 25 games. And maybe less, because he had worse numbers than Anton Forsberg last year. So that doesn't make a ton of sense for the Hawks. Getting back to Carolina, um, you know, why would any team take Darling without Carolina retaining money? So then you've got a cap hit in Hosa, not just for, for this coming season to get to the floor, but you've got it for two more seasons, $5.25 million. At some point, Carolina might not want to be a floor team anymore, and they might want to contend, but they're still going to be – $5.25 million wrapped up in Hosa's cap hit. And if they retain money on Darling, which they likely would have to do, that's another $1, $2 million of dead cap space. Dead cap space. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. The thing, But the thing about this that's kind of mind-boggling is that this has become, in many people's minds, a reality that's going to happen. Yeah. Because Elliot Friedman speculated it made sense, and it didn't make sense. Well, that's part of the problem with Twitter, and let's all sit down around the fire and talk about that one. Yeah, just because something is mentioned in an article or something Fire's is mentioned on Twitter, Uncle Gate. yeah, it does not mean it's going to happen. And uh, you know, I, you and I both kind of went, you know, about went at it about this, not went at it, but kind of addressed this on the internet, on that good old interwebs. Um. You know, and it said, sure, you know, they, 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 they hang on to $2 million of, and I'm just throwing a number out there. They hang on to $2 million of, of darling salary. They take hoses. Um, they only have to pay actual $3 million total, but they get an $8 million cap hit or $7 million cap hit, which, which the team is already $9 million under the current floor, which is going to probably go up a couple million dollars. So they may be. 12 million, you know, 11, 12 million dollars under the floor. Right. So I could see for this year. Yeah, I could see where that, you know, where, where that could kind of come in. But I'm with you on this. Like the Blackhawks would they couldn't take Darling back without um without Carolina hanging on to half of that salary. And then you're just trading what? Uh, Darling for Hosa's contract one for one? I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. I think that, you know, uh Carolina would probably require something else, an asset, a draft pick, something, yeah, yeah. other than just Marion Hosa's contract. Yeah. So uh, Waddell would probably be in a lot of trouble three seasons from now when he's still paying $7.25 million in dead cap space for Scott Darling and Marion Hosa. And by that point, I would think that the Carolina fans are expecting some kind of progress, perhaps making the playoffs, that's a real challenge when you got 
$5 million in dead cap space. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, well, the good thing with Carolina is they don't go out and sign big-name free agents, so they won't have that problem. But, yeah, that's a whole other story altogether and for a whole other day. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, Friedman just kind of probably looked at the rosters, looked at the, yes. you know, looked at the numbers and said, hey, okay, yeah, sure. It might make a little sense. And uh, nowhere, nowhere credible anywhere did it say that, you know, th- these talks had actually happened. But right. the Hawks and Carolina have definitely been linked in several rumors uh, as far as talks go, because Carolina seems open for business. Like they're going to, they're willing to talk about anyone trading anyone. Well, yeah. And, but again, and, and that may well be true and it probably is true, but, but talking and trading are two different things. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't think what is just going to give these guys away. Um, you know, so I like, for example, I reported the rumor uh, 10 days ago, I guess it was that the Hawks had offered up their 27th overall pick this year in the draft for Justin Falk. But I kind of sold that with, you know what, that's probably a starting point, And I doubt Carolina is going to take that for, for Falk. Um, so, again, it's it's the, these things oftentimes when they are actual conversations, um, it's it's just like sort of a snapshot in an overall conversation that starts with negotiating points before it ever gets to a deal. If it gets to a deal. Yes. Um, there, I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios you could talk about with, uh, Carolina and the Blackhawks. So, uh, where, where it goes from here, who knows nothing, you know, something may or may not happen. We don't know, but, uh, everyone just needs to calm their jets a little bit. This Scott Darling thing, while on the surface, because he was the hometown meatball hero, was all good and well two years ago. But it's not so much anymore. Uh, he makes a lot more money. Uh, you know, he's had a bad season. He kind of showed what some of us thought may be his true colors, which is that he was kind of just a, a fringe starter guy, not the one who's going to, you know, step in and take you to the Stanley cup. And uh, right. that's what we've, we've maintained that all along that while he helped out in several scenarios, one being the, you know, against uh, Nashville, uh, he wasn't going to carry him to the cup. There's a reason Corey Crawford was back in that net when they won that cup. So, yeah, I don't think anybody ever, I, I hope nobody ever argued that darling was, the equal of Corey Crawford or close to it. Oh, they were out I, there. They were uh, out there. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that there's a legitimate argument that, you know, with, with a really good Hawk defense, which no longer exists in front of darling, that the cost difference between darling and Crawford, if the Hawks signed, signed darling for say 3 million a year might make it worth, you know, absorbing that slight drop off or, or negligible drop off, drop off in, you know, performance and goal it's all theoretical and quite honestly based upon how darling played in carolina last year i think most hawk fans should be glad that didn't happen and that he left um you know but so again it's the whole thing just to me seems just kind of silly the amount of excitement that that this is generated that you know lamont native scott darling is coming back to chicago and you know this this you know it's just prodigal son has returned nothing to it yeah. yeah, I mean, there's really at this point, there's nothing to it in terms of an, an actual conversation. Um, another thing that was reported 
in the last day or two. Uh, this was by Mark Lazarus at the Chicago Sun-Times. Oh, boy. Um, oh boy. That uh, a league source had said that um, the Hawks were discussing trading, uh, or somebody had asked about, I guess, at, the, at Carolina, had asked about Brandon Saad in exchange for Falk. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I'm not here to to cast shade on anybody else's rumors if they if they make reasonable sense. And that one, I mean, it's conceivable, and and perhaps that conversation happened. I mean, if the Hawks are genuinely talking to the the Hurricanes about Justin Falk, which I, I believe they are, then there's probably a lot of names and scenarios being discussed, and and Sod may be one of them. Personally, one for one, Sod for Falk, I don't do that deal, and I can explain that if if you want to talk about it, but. Um, that seems more realistic to me in terms of something that could happen because it, probably there that name has come up in those conversations. Yeah, and and Sod has some value. While I argued earlier that you'd be selling probably at an all-time low as far as Brandon Sod's value goes, which is not all that smart. No, and um, my thing, to, and I said this to somebody today on on the twitters. Um, you know, I I think. Because again, this is this is sort of the mentality that exists. I mean, suddenly Brandon Saad is the worst player who ever played in the minds of a lot of Hawk fans. He's he's no good anymore. He's done. I'm sorry, the guy's 25 years old. He's won two two Stanley Cups, and if you know, I think a lot of Hawk fans have perhaps forgotten the kind of hockey that gets played in the playoffs versus the you know what wins in the regular season. And Brandon Saad's the kind of player you need to win in the playoffs. He can do a lot of things, and, and he can play that that physical game in the playoffs and thrive in it, and be a difference maker. Um, so I I would not necessarily part with him for a Justin Falk. I mean, perhaps if those pieces were included and there were other pieces involved that mitigated some of the loss for the Hawks, maybe. Uh, but no, I one for one, I wouldn't do that deal. Well, also too, and and like apparently people in Chicago have extremely short memories. Yes, because Brandon Saad, like you said, 25 years old, he's won two Stanley Cups. We know he has chemistry with Jonathan Taze, which is a big, it's a big thing. There's yeah. a reason they brought him back because he has chemistry with Jonathan Taze. And in fairness, in fairness, though, and I, I was that was my theory. That was my, you know, this this is going to this is going to now this was I believe that trade was consummated. Yeah, that trade was consummated just after. The story came out um, about Hosa going on LTIR, um, and I think we all assumed that Richard Ponick would would somewhat step up into that role at the right wing with Taves, and, and that bringing Sod back would would reignite Taves. Um, you know, so in fairness, a lot of fans are right are right to feel disappointed or let down by that, and and to put some of that back on on Sod. I, I don't think it is. I think that, you know, and we've talked about it at length. I think part of the issue is the amount of work that Taves is being asked to do over the course of a game, um, especially with regard to defensive, excuse me, defensive zone faceoffs, um, offensive zone faceoffs on the power play, et cetera. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, I think that's part of it too. And getting a, a, another really good competent center in there who can take some of that burden off of him should help him. Um, and uh, then, then you don't blame Saad as much for it. So, well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and Saad, you know, he had a historically for him a historically low shooting percentage. The underlying numbers show that he won't stay stay like this forever. It was no. just a bad season. It was a bad season all around. Um, 
you know, the trends and everything associated with that show that he probably will return to his 30 goal glory again at some point in time. And if you sell a guy low, that's going to now go score 30 goals for another team. And, you know, there's all kinds of scenarios, but Joe Quenville doesn't have a really good track record of bringing in defensemen and having success with them lately. No, that's the other thing. I mean, I don't care how good Justin Falk is, Trevor Daly, uh, whoever that has been brought in here that, you know, Michael Kempney, Michael Kempney, whoever Joe Quenville has rode him hard and put him away wet. And they've left Chicago looking like they were, you know, they should go to the police station and file a report because, you know, nothing says that Justin Fox is going to come into this lineup and he could be the captain of Carolina all you want. But just uh, Andrew Ladd was the captain of Winnipeg. And he came in here and didn't do a lot. And he had success here. Now, going back to Brandon Saad, we know he's had success here. We know his track record. We know he's had success in another market as well. Playing with different systems, with different players. So, generally, Brandon Saad, we know what pretty much the baseline is. Even though he played below the baseline this year. Everything, any... You know, common sense is going to tell you that Brandon Saad is going to come back to his his baseline, whether it's this year or whatever. But probably, you know, most likely this year that he's not going to have historically bad year two years in a row. So you're you'd be like I said, you'd be selling on him low to bring in Justin Falk, who's a defenseman who's been playing. You know, he's what in his later twenties. He's twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Yeah. He's played in a different system. Who knows what that system had to do with. Nothing says that Joel Quenville isn't going to ruin this guy based on his, his track record. I don't, I just don't like all the what ifs of giving up on Brandon side after one year. Yeah. I mean, everyone wanted, you know, we knew what Brandon side was when he, when he had to be signed. We're like, Oh yeah, he probably deserves that money. You know, you traded him, and uh, you know, because they didn't think they were going to be able to keep him. And then they brought him back because they knew he still had value to this organization. And now all of a sudden you bail on him after seven months. I'm not, I'm not so hot on that. Well, but here's the other problem. Okay. And and I was talking with one of our friends on on one of our chats today about it too. Um, You know, there's, so there's a school of thought out there that you, that you bring in John Tavares to quote, replace Jonathan Taves. Um, it, 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 the Hawks should be lo- looking to add, not swap out, because they finished 13th in the West last year, and it wasn't just because Corey Crawford missed half a season; it was because they they were not a very good team overall. So, rather, I mean, listen, you got You got to pay to play, and the and if Bowman makes trades, he may have to you know do value for value trades, but you deal from areas of strength. Um, to shore up areas of weakness where the Hawks are strong is on the wing. Uh, so yeah, that's an argument, I guess, for, for dealing sod. I wouldn't deal sod. There's other guys you could deal. Cause in my opinion, you've got, you've got a couple of wings playing center right now too. Uh, so, yeah. um, you, so I mean, you, but you deal from strength to shore up areas of weakness and they may have to deal, but, but regardless, um, you don't, I, I wouldn't go out and deal, the guys who who've been there before, 
who are still 30 years old or younger, which includes Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Brandon Saad. Uh, I wouldn't deal those guys in order to get unknown commodities or lesser known commodities to come in and sort of, you know, re- replace guys who you've lost, like Justin Falk replacing, say, Nicholas Jalmerson, for example, you know, as your number three defenseman, even though they have different styles. Um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. This is a team that needs to be looking to add talent. So free agency, definitely one way to do it. Um, dealing from strength, like say from wing from the wing position or dealing from strength in terms of extra draft picks they have this year to go out and get guys to come in and add to what they have and complement what they have. Because that's the problem, in my opinion. You've got a, you still have a, a functional core there, but they've all looked like crap the last couple of years because they've been doing a lot more work because they've a lot of the supporting cast has been sold off. My that, that's that's my opinion. Yeah, and I, I I've always been a big Brandon Sod fan, and yeah, sure, I was disappointed in him too this year. But that's that's really a risky proposition for a team who, who I mean, they may be desperate to a degree, but they're not that desperate at this point in time. So, no, and again, I just, it like, doesn't feel like it's a move that makes the team better. No, it p- package up some, and basically you're, you're, you're plugging a hole in one area and creating a hole in another area, right. which doesn't exactly. really, it, it's, it's, it, it does. It's not improving. Like you said, it's not improving. Right. You now have a hole in the top six and your left wing. Okay. Alex to All the geniuses are going to come up and say, Alex to Well, let me tell you something. Alex Abrinkit had a really good year playing in a sheltered role. In, he said the third it there. Line. He said it. He said he had a good year. Just everybody remember that. Yeah. Go ahead. He had a, he had a good year in a sheltered role, and that's fine. Joe Quenville did a great job of putting him in a position to succeed, and he played well, and he and he did well. Great. But when when Joe Quenville did move him up the lineup, he never stuck. If he was playing that good, and he was doing stuff that Coach Joe Quenville, who is still the coach this year really liked, he would have kept him there. Joel Quenville did not want to move Alex Dabrinkit down the lineup to lose on purpose. Right. And put his job in uh, jeopardy. Yeah, and the other thing is Alex Dabrinkit, I, listen, I, I became a believer in him. I was, I will be the first to admit, I was not sold on the idea of bringing him up this year at the, to start the year and, you know, avoid playing in Rockford where clearly I me he either. should have gone. Yeah. Pardon me? I said clearly me either. Go ahead. Yeah. And but the bottom line is, is, you know, I, I he had some listen, he had some rough spots at first. He he had a, he had some rough games to start out, but suddenly he started scoring goals. And, you know, the, the he has a he has an obvious ability to get that shot off, which is he has a great release on that shot and to use defenders as screens. And he's going to score a lot of goals. The other thing I like about to bring it five foot seven, but he is willing. That kid is not afraid to go in the corners. Uh, he's not going to always win every puck, but man, he's, he's willing. He doesn't seem to be afraid of the rough stuff. So yeah, I like it. But the thing of it is he's not the same kind of player. Brandon Sod is Brandon Sod is a guy who you could throw out there for, you know, 20 games in the playoffs and he can, he can, you know, handle that grind and that war down low and he's done it. He's been there. He's got the skins on the wall and, um, you know, he's a really effective two-way winger. Great skater, underrated for speed. I remember some people last year saying, oh, he's, he's slower than Panarin. Actually, he's not. He's probably a step, half step faster than Panarin. He's just such a graceful skater that it's hard to see how really how fast he is. And just, you know, and he's 
200 pounds, 215 pounds. I mean, um, so it just, it just, you, you're not going to, there's nobody on the roster right now or in the system who replaces Brandon Sott. Right. And, and, uh, yeah. So regardless, I think that, you know, sure. It, you know, teams ask about guys and sometimes that gets reported in rumors and, and I've done it too. It doesn't mean necessarily that's the deal that's going to happen. Right. And our boy Mario actually, I wish I could find it here on Twitter. He he put up a list of uh, if Brandon Saad were to be gone, uh, the, the, the left wings that they would have behind him really quickly gets to uh, Victor Edsel at like second or third, which we don't know what we're going to get out of him. He looked great in the AHL, but you, you can't guarantee any kind of success out of what, you know, Victor Edsel, who's supposed to be a center on yeah. top of all that. I mean, People forget Troy Brower scored 35 goals in the AHL one year, and he's never gotten more than 22 in the in the NHL. You know, so it's 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 not the same. It's not a, an equal measuring stick. No. Um, and uh, I, you know, I hope Etzel pans out. I really do. And I, God, it would be great if he panned out as a center because they need it. I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, he could possibly be the guy that they kind of hope that Anisimov would be, but he's never really been. Um, but, uh, you know, that would be great. But the, the truth of the matter is if, if, you know, again, it goes back to what we've talked about and, and that blog that I wrote, you know, what's the plan? Are you rebuilding? Are you reloading? Um, or are you sticking with what you've done the last few years, which is kind of neither and not really going well? I, 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 it seems like the third choice. Yeah. And so, so then the question is if, if you're really serious about competing this year, you don't trade Brandon Saad. If you're if you're thinking about rebuilding, then maybe you do trade Brandon Saad. But I think you're trying to get not just Justin Falk. You're trying to get futures, and you're trying to get, you know, I'd want to. I would want if I was going to trade Brandon Saad, I would want like a top five pick in this draft. Yeah, you know, he's a proven commodity. None of these, none of these guys that that are except for maybe Deline. I don't think you'd get Deline for him, but um, you know, I mean, sure. I mean, Philip Zadina may not be a better player than Brandon Saad in the NHL. Well, yeah, and and going back to the even to, even further back to the Darling thing, there's two there's two things that uh, that we didn't even bring up. I didn't even realize until I started looking at it that um, that's everybody. If you're wondering, that's Gates' cyborg brain re-racking. <laughs> so anyway, something we did that we didn't even look at, and I didn't even realize until I was looking at at the uh, cap friendly page is that next year. Carolina is already paying $2.3 million for Alexander Semin. And they've retained $300,000 for Marcus Kruger. Yeah, so let's retain $2 million of Scott Darling and take on Marion Hulse's $5.25 million for another three years. Um, Because we want to be a floor team and bad for three more years. No, (laughs) it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's... It's less and less likely the more you look at the actual situation. Now, they could be a team that that takes on Hulse's contract, but I don't think it's going to be the Hawks taking Darling back and, and Carolina retaining salary. It's The Hawks are going to have to sweeten that deal with something, mm-hmm. like a young, a decent prospect or something, or yeah. a pick. Sakura or Schmaltz or, uh, you know, the, the second pick in the first round or... Yeah, I don't know if they'd have to do that much, yeah. like... Schmaltz. I don't no, think yeah, they yeah. would have to include him, but um, they'd have to include something like maybe a third round pick or, you know, a second or something like that. Yeah. Now, 
we've talked at length about Brandon Saad. Then, also on top of all this, this article comes out from Sportsnet, the noted Sportsnet, you know, the trusted source in Canada, saying that it, uh, likely buyout candidates for having their contracts bought out for the Chicago Blackhawks, Brandon Saad. Which might be one of the dumbest things I've ever read. Yeah, I, I don't... No, I, I think that's ridiculous. And, I mean, I, I imagine there's a handful of teams that would love to have Brandon Saad at his salary right now. Yeah, for sure. Especially, you know? if, especially if the Blackhawks have to sell low. Then they would. The market's gonna, you know, the market the market's gonna be lower now than it would normally be. Than it would have been last summer. Yeah. Than it would have been, yeah. you know. So you're gonna get Brandon Brand side at the bargain basement price that you get Brandon side for. Yeah. So uh, for them to to buy uh, him just... out would be idiotic. It would be stupid. A 25 year old player like Brandon side who did not have a horrible year. He didn't have a great year, but he didn't have a horrible year. To, right. to buy him out out of all the people on the roster, I would have been, you know, even though it would be crazy and they, and he'd be drawing a salary till the day after the apocalypse, I would Brent rather Se- than put uh, Brent Seabrook on that list because well, it would have made about, sense. How about Artem Anisimov? Artem Anisimov, sure. <laughs> Anything. Brandon Saad, that was an idiotic thing. I, I our, our boy Justin Lowe, it was nice to see him. He said he, he talked to someone over at... Uh, at uh, Sportsnet, and they said they may they may have made an error on that one. <laughs> Duh. Uh, just yeah, I mean, and Justin in his day job works for a, a major Canadian sports media outlet. Outlet, and uh, yeah, he so he's he he knows of what he speaks, and uh, yeah, Justin's great. He's a good dude. Yeah, the only thing I was thinking was duh and or hello. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, it, yeah. Anisimov, yeah, but again, the Hawks. I don't know. I don't see them. They're not really in a position to be buying players out right now because of of their cap situation. And, and I think, it, you know, if 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 the Hawks are really serious about doing some damage this year with with the core remaining, they they're going to need every every last dollar of cap space to go out and acquire the the pieces they need. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. Uh, so, now we did get a question from was it yeah. Justin Germain. Is that yeah? So that was about Anisimov and what his value might be in trade. You know, so, so the so there were a lot of stories, and and I and I heard this from from my sources that the Hawks were talking with a couple of teams, Philadelphia Flyers and Nashville, um, in the lead up to the trade. That Nash, you know, where Nashville acquired Ryan Hartman uh, about Anisimov and also the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, there was a report. I didn't hear this. I didn't report this, but there was a report that all that uh, Columbus offered in the end for Anisimov was a third-round pick. I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but I had heard that Columbus was coming after Anisimov hard, and I doubt that was with a third-round pick. Um, yeah. But uh, so it's hard to say how much value he has, but for example, Justin threw out, I thought a really interesting, I believe it was Justin Germain was the gentleman's name. Yeah. yeah Justin Germain. Justin. So he threw out an interesting, um, scenario trading and off to Montreal. Uh, you know, cause Montreal has been just endlessly in search of a center. Now here's the problem. 
Anisimov is still the same player when he goes to Montreal. And everywhere Anisimov has been, he has not sort of checked all the boxes as a full-time center because he's not good on face-offs. Uh, he's a little bit of a boat anchor, uh, excuse me, a boat anchor in terms of, you know, an up-tempo game up the ice. He's, he's not real fast. Um, so he's sort of, he's sort of that, that third line center, very, very good defensively. Um, you know, and, and tough, tougher on the net and a really good player on the net. Um, you know, so a team like Montreal who apparently have four second round picks, you know, could the Hawks pick off one of those, those second round picks for Anisimov? Sure. The question is, you know, can Montreal take on a four and a half million dollar salary with a no movement clause, um, you know, just without giving some salary back? I think the Hawks would have to take something back in terms of an NHL salary. Yeah, probably. But I could see that. I could yeah. see them moving in Eastbuff, especially if they can bring in a, a center um, who, who checks more of the boxes. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I think Anisimov has has value. Uh, yeah. He, you know, he makes, what does he make, five million? Is it four million? Four? Something four and like? a half, I believe. Yeah. So he's he's not hugely overpaid, but, you know, he's probably making more than the Blackhawks want to pay a third-line center. And uh, he's got size, and he's got some ability, and if you put him in the right position, you know, he's shown that he can, well, he can you know, produce. But, you'd be, you would be, as you so so eloquently put it, you would be selling high in Anisimov. Yeah. Because as bad as Brandon Saad's shooting percentage was this year, I believe Anisimov's was an all-time career high, and I think he might have had a career high in goals this year too. Um, maybe I don't know. I don't have the the stats in front of me, but he, you know, he was hot for a while scoring goals this past year, and it was like every time his, his stick touched the puck for a while, it went in. And, yeah, uh, and I think last he, year he was leading the league in scoring for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean. I don't know, but I, it just feels like uh, Anisimov is not getting some things done that the Hawks need done at that position, in my opinion. And uh, he might be, but the question is again is because his salary is a little bit of an overpay for him, because he has certain limitations as a center. Um, you know, the question becomes, you know, who you trade with and what they give you for him, and do you have to take money back? Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Montreal's roster. Ugh, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got Max Pacioretty, but uh, I mean, he—he's—they're—they're they're not going to get Max Pacioretty. Uh, and nope. He's a—he's a left wing, which you know, if you want to—if you want to do like the whole uh, trickle down effect, sure. But uh, he's only got one year left at four point five million. Galchenyuk—he's a whatever at 20, 24 years old. Uh, he's a wing. They've tried. They've. Tried so they tried to get him to be a center and it hasn't yeah. worked. He's a wing. Oh, all the meatballs would love if they could get Andrew Shaw back, huh? <laughs> or Brendan Gallagher, another midget. I mean, <laughs> to go along with the with you know with the gaggle of midgets we already have here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's going in the wrong direction here. So I don't know. I don't know what you get out of uh, out of Montreal. But yeah. yeah, I mean, if they take them I, for a couple of draft picks or whatever, uh, I mean, yeah, they do. They have four. They have actually have one of the Blackhawks. Maybe the Blackhawks to get their own the second round draft pick it? back. They Wait, got, no, that wasn't that wasn't the Shaw trade. It was another trade, I think. I think uh, it could have been. No, that was the the Dino one. I think maybe. Ah, uh, Dino, that was it. That yeah. was it. Uh, but they have uh, 
Toronto, the Capitals, second round pick, Toronto's second round pick, their own uh, second round pick and the Blackhawks second round pick. Plus they have three fourth round picks on top of that. So they're loaded up. They've got yeah. four, uh, five picks in the first two rounds, then one in the third, and then three picks in the fourth round. So before you get to the fifth round, they're at what? Four, fours, eight, nine picks in the first four rounds. So That's pretty good. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to rebuild. Yeah. Def- definitely. Hold on one second. I want to look at something real fast. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Montreal Canadians. Uh, uh, we kind of get into questions here. I'll start looking through the questions. They have a lot of cap space too. So, you know, maybe they don't have to give you a bunch of money, but you know, a bunch of money. I don't, I don't know. Get Charlie Lindgren and, uh, <laughs> um, maybe a fourth round draft pick for Anissa Moff. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, who knows at this point in time. Yeah, they're kind of in the middle of the pack as far as cap space goes. This is projected cap space is $12 million. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The roster's at 21. So, yeah, they could have a lot of space, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Who knows what they're doing up there? Good, uh, how about Ottawa, huh? <laughs> the mess going on up there. Yeah, yeah. So, so my question is, you know, is this is – this, uh, Mike Hoffman having very poor taste in girlfriends <laughs> or where was Hoffman himself involved in this little intrigue, this little palace intrigue to uh, undermine Eric Carlson. I, I, I don't know. That's uh, it's curious. Their roster too. That's ugly. I know they're selling off a lot, but that's, a, oof, that's an ugly roster. Well, if Hoffman wants Carlson gone, I'm sure the Hawks would love to take him off their hands. <laughs> yeah. For one year. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into questions. Um, well, we kind of really talked about this, but uh, toe drags for Daze. <laughs> it's hard to say that <laughs> on Twitter. He asked, uh, with the recent news of the sock or sad fuck, the sock trade <laughs> uh, being discussed, if Carolina insisted that they get sod back in any package, what do you think a fair return would be? If the Hawks could get Skinner as well, I'd do sod Hosa and the eighth overall for Skinner. Uh, Falk and Darling. Ooh. Pass. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of mess there. That's a lot of red tape. Uh, Rational. Yeah, I... He also adds Rational is Carolina reportedly wants a first round and a prospect for Skinner. I think the eighth overall is good enough without a prospect. Then they get sod for Falk. Clearly, Darling's horrid contract for Hosa. So he's kind of lining it all up together. I don't, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> no. And, and I mean, Skinner, he's had some con- uh, concussion issues. I think that there are, you know, overall concerns about his durability. Um, and again, a midget, another midget. Yeah. We have enough uh, midgets here in Chicago, including me. Yeah. And the, the other issue is, is that you're, again, you're, you're, Wing is not an acute need for this team. Um, so I don't know necessarily how Skinner and that number eight pick. I mean, in this draft, you got to go and get a guy who can be, um, you know, a, a performer for your team, a top six, top four performer for your team, if not better for the next 10 years. No excuses with that pick. So I, I don't, I wouldn't cavalierly throw that pick around for a Jeff Skinner. Uh, you know, um, no, I, I I wouldn't do that. And I don't want Darling back. 
I don't think you want Darling back. No, I don't. Um, so I, I, and again, I just, there's better goalies out there than Scott Darling. If you're going to trade for a goalie, there's better goalies. I mean, at $2 million, okay, as a backup. Yeah. I, I it's million, all right. Yeah. But it, there, we could do worse. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily extremely high on that either. It's kind of a like, you know, plug in the hole in the boat kind of thing. I, I don't know that you're, uh, you're actually redoing the boat and uh, it could start leaking again later. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, I mean, the one thing I noticed, Jeff Skinner, who seems like he's been in the league forever, is only 26 years old. Yeah. Which is. I mean, when he came up, he was, he was a really exciting player, but he's had some concussions and some injury history. And I think it's affected his production um, somewhat. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely and again, I just, I don't feel like the Hawks have that acute of a need. I mean, They've got a couple of good left wings in their top six. Um, they've got one great right wing in their top six. Uh, and there's, you know, probably some, you know, between Dylan Sakura, um, who looks like he may end up at wing, um, and uh, a couple other uh, names out there in, in their system, they seem to be okay at that position. So I, I don't see the wisdom of giving up, you know, pieces that you need to, to fill other holes, real holes, to add another wing. Right, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's just a lot of trouble in uh, any scenario. And the more complicated you get, the the worse it gets. Um, I mean, honestly, and I don't say I'm not going to say this is going to happen. I would rather give up the eighth overall pick than I would Brandon Saad for Flock. That's just the way I look at it. For right now, you know what you have in Brandon Saad. You don't know what you have in a number eight pick right now. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know if I give up the, I don't I wouldn't give up the number eight overall for Justin Falk, you know. If I had to choose between the two, I would give up the pick before Sod. That's just right now the way I would do it. I don't know that I would oh, I, I would hang it I out agree. there and there's, say hey, there's no guarantee yeah. that that player, even though you you really you, you can't afford to miss on it if you're the Hawks, but there's no there is no guarantee that that player is going to be as good or better than Brandon Sod. Right? Yeah, and you pick you, you pick there. You never know what happens. Some kid blows his knee out in junior. I mean, you know. Yeah, you never know. So you know what you have in Brandon Side. You know what his his pro game is. So that's why, you know, when you have a known quantity like that, and and you're gonna throw it away for you know hopes and prayers, that's scary because that's that'll cost you your job and your reputation. So anyway, supposedly the the guy that the Hawks really love at that pick is a wing named Oliver Wallstrom, and uh, now that's. Rumor, speculation. I I heard that from one of my sources that they quote unquote love Oliver Wallstrom. He's a power right winger, great shot, um, a scorer. Um, so we'll see. Who knows? I mean, it, it may it, that may may not be the case either. I heard that they also like a defensive name Noah Dobson out of Acadie Bathurst in the Quebec Major Junior League. So he's he's a possibility too. Yeah. Um, the player who I thought was the outside possibility, but I don't think he's going to make it down to eight, is uh, Quinn Hughes. And Evan Bouchard, too, is yeah. another one who's allegedly going number four overall, possibly to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. So, anyway, well, that kind of, actually, that kind of segues into the questions, With Jason Price actually brought this question up. He says, do you take a winger with this high pick? Personally, I take a center or a D-man, since the wingers are usually available in a number of different ways. I'm kind of with you. I, I would prefer they got you know a because it's so deep with defensemen i would kind of hope that they would go for a defenseman uh but 
that's kind of you know center or defenseman because those those are the hardest to get uh wings you know you could find you could you could find you know wings in other ways yeah i mean that's the thing i mean again it's all about you know you look at the strength in the draft there are not at the top at the very top of the draft there are there's no elite centermen there are two or three really good wings at the top of the draft zadina uh the russian guy shvechnikov um there's some debate whether uh, Brady Kachuk is a wing or a center in the NHL. Uh, he may end up as a wing. Um, then you, you drop down a bit to get to guys like Valeno, um, and there are a couple of other other centers sort of in that you know 10 to 20 tier. Uh, but uh, it, it's not a real deep draft for centers at the top of the draft. Um, but it boy is it deep in defensemen. You yeah. know you got uh, Dalene, you've got Bokvist, who there are differing opinions on apparently the Hawks had dinner with him the other night that was reported. Um, he's tiny. Um, and, uh, our guy in Sweden, Martin Terrenquist is not a big fan of his, but you know, that's an N of one, but Martin's seen him play probably more than 99% of Hawk fans at this point. Um, there's uh Dobson, Noah Dobson, who's a great two way defenseman whose stock has just skyrocketed th- this year. Um, Evan Bouchard, who's considered the most NHL ready or close to NHL ready of all the, the guys in the draft has the total package, maybe not a great skater, but other, everything else is there with Bouchard. Um, who else at the defense position? There's, there's a couple more, uh, Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Um, another guy who's considered a, a really top defense prospect. So I think, yeah, at number eight for the Hawks, because the two big needs organizationally are center and D and goalie, but there's no goalies maybe in the t- in the first round. So you got to I think you got to go D. That's what she said. <laughs> right. Yeah, who reported that who reported that dinner rumor the other day? Drunk and donuts? <laughs> Man, this guy's ah. freaking delusional. <laughs> Our boy Laz, back in the box, yeah. Laz. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he's just getting out there really. Like I said, he was probably serving the dinner. I hope they tipped him well. Uh, Ken Kalambach. Oh, you know what? Actually, let's let's not get to Ken's yet. Let's get to Chuck Bessler because he actually put sent this question in a week and a half ago. I want to make sure I get his question in there because he actually emailed again today and said, hey, don't forget my question. We won't forget. So he said a few weeks ago, JJ wrote an article about the direction the Hawks could take this offseason, a la rebuild, all in, rebuild on the fly and uh, all that stuff. Since Stan and Q's job, Stan and stands and whatever stand accused jobs are on the line. I don't think they're going to rebuild. So that leaves two options all in and rebuild on the fly. It's leading me to the question. Instead of choosing between all in and rebuild on the fly, do you think they can combine the two like a passive all in aggressive rebuild on the fly? Is it even possible to combine the two? Well, I think you're going to get an argument from the Hawks or whoever the that the aggressive rebuild on the fly is exactly what they've been doing. Um, the, the problem is, you know, it, to me, it's a strategy driven by um, desperation. Um, you know, you want to you want to keep the fan base interested. You you want to shore up what are now documented huge drop offs in demand for tickets. Uh, probably corporate sponsorship running for the doors at this point. Not just because of how poorly the team is done, but also. Uh, changes in the tax law um, that uh, no longer allow deductions for uh, corporate entertainment for tickets. So 
um, I, I think that's part of it, you know, that, that they're trying to keep the interest up and, you know, one goal is still the mantra, et cetera, et cetera. But, the, but in the meantime, they, the salary cap has forced them to get rid of so many veteran players. And they've, they've you know, th- there was this uh, term coined a couple of years ago, the quote unquote youth movement. And uh, which at the time drove me nuts because I, I my bullshit meter was just buried in the red when I heard that. Because the reality of it is, is, you know, uh, if they're not ready, they're not ready. And two years ago, it was Tyler Mott who was going to be the guy who was going to come in and light it up like he lit it up at the University of Michigan. And I think Tyler Mott, uh, when last heard from, was playing for the Lake Erie Monsters in Cleveland. And uh, he's with Vancouver you know, now, yeah. Yeah. So he's not even with uh, the Blue Jackets anymore. Um, and then, you know, this past year it was Debrinket, and Debrinket was okay. Um, but, and, and Nick Schmaltz and, and Schmaltz, you know, he, he really blew people away with his skating and some, some great games that he had here and there. Uh, and his overall point totals were really good. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the strategy led the Hawks to the 13th in the West and, and they were not a playoff team when Corey Crawford went down, they were out of the playoffs at that time. So you can't say that if they had Crawford, they would have been in the playoffs or they, that they would have done anything in the playoffs. The previous two years, they were eliminated in the first round. And the year before, embarrassing, humiliating sweep by the Nashville Predators. So I think, um, you know, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that this strategy has not worked of, you know, slowly rebuilding while you're at the same time trying to compete. They, they have to make a choice. They have to compete. They have to try to compete and go out and get NHL-proven players or darn close to proven in the NHL, uh, guys who you really think could come through for you, um, and, and go all in. Or they really should, should cut their losses and be honest with the fan base and say, we're going to tank for three years to get back to real contention for the Cup. Um, the halfway strategy, which is probably what they'll do, my my personal suspicion is it's going to be more of the same, more mediocrity. Yeah, that's they're not really gaining any ground. They're moving backwards. Every year yeah. it's been uh, worse and worse. Yeah, and... I mean, look at I mean, everybody's excited about bringing Scott Darling back. I mean, have our expectations gone fallen that much? Well, last summer base? they were excited about Patrick Sharp coming back, and we all know how that went. Well, Gate, you know, he was in tip-top shape. Yeah. I'm an idiot. remind you of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm an idiot. I'm dumb. Okay, thank you. Yeah. yeah. He was exactly what we said he was. In, uh, yeah, was a 13 just, forward. Oh, yeah. Over yeah. the hill, coming off of surgery and a couple of concussions, and at the tail end of his career, which is exactly what happened. And the Blackhawks basically, at the, end of his, at the end of his season, basically forced him to retire. So yeah. tell me how good he was. Sort of like a mercy killing. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, hey, he was a great player. Yeah. Um, he didn't humiliate himself last year. It was just so painfully obvious that, you know, his career was – he was really started arc downward as a player in 2015 when he was, you know, kind of pushed down to the third line. It was a good third line in the playoffs in 2015. But, I mean, when he left, I mean, I think everybody kind of felt like, eh. You know, he's yeah. he's starting to show some wear and he's starting to to wind down. And there was no reason to believe when he came back, he was going to suddenly be 29 years old again, you know, yeah. or so. be even be what he was when he left, which was a decline in the decline. Yeah. yeah. Which again, 
Blackhawks fandom has a very short memory. They remember the three cups, but they don't remember that everyone was dying to get rid of Patrick Sharp because he was in the decline and he was just eating up too much salary. So Yeah, and that's probably part of the reason that the return for him was so, you know, at his salary, because he had a big contract at the time, was so minimal and they basically had to give Steven Johns away to to move him. You know, people forget. They did get decent player. I mean, they got Ryan Garbutt and they got Trevor Daly turned into a pretty decent, you know, he, he played, you know, in Detroit last year or the last two years or whatever. And, uh, he did all right in Pittsburgh. So again, yeah. like, you know, Justin Falk or whatever, maybe these players weren't as big a turds as Joel Quenville makes them out to be. Well, there's, scary. I think it, it, there's no question. Listen, Joel Quenville's won the three cups, you know, Joel Quenville, has you know helped a lot of these guys develop into great players over the years. Um, so you can't you can't argue with that. But there's also the flip side of that is Trevor Daly, Michael Kempney, um, uh, on and on and on. Jan Ruda, yeah, Eric Gustafson, especially defensemen. Yeah, that he cannot seem certain guys he cannot seem to see eye to eye with, and they go elsewhere and they they do quite well. And and uh, so. Um, that's that's the, the potential downside. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the the list is lo- long of players that, you know, defensemen they couldn't get through for Joel Quenville, and he, you know, he sat on Brent Seabrook, Johnny Oduya, and Nicholas Chalmerson and Duncan Keith for the entire almost the entire time he was here, until Chalmerson, you know, was sent packing and Oduya was sent packing. Yeah. He he just sat on those top four because those are the you know those were his four pets, and uh, he kind of well Connor Murphy's another one that, that Quinville's apparently yeah had huge issues with, but you know and and he loved Trevor Van Riemsdyk so yeah yeah I mean it's 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 listen he's forgotten more about playing defense in the NHL than you will, you or I will ever know, but th- at the same time you know he certainly has a sort of a fickle you know, sense of, of taste and, and, you know, who's good and who isn't and, you know, who has potential and who doesn't, um, you know, cause Murphy, Murphy had kind of an up and down year, but, but he brings some things that, that no other Hawk defenseman brings anymore. And, um, he can play both sides. Um, now he can. He, yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah, Joe right. Quenville. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I mean, Murphy will make some people think twice when they come over the blue line and nobody else in the team does that. Um, Jalmerson could do that. Um, you know, I think it remains to be seen, you know, if Murphy sticks with the Hawks and, you know, makes some progress and, and becomes a, a, a solid player, um, you know, Jalmerson may in fact be kind of on the downward slide now. I mean, that's a body that's taken on a lot of hard miles over the years. Yeah. And he know? was hurt so, last year and now it looks like his personal life has kind of taken a dive. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, man. I loved him. He was uh, he was one of too. my favorite Hawks. I hated seeing him go. I hated that trade. Yeah. My my yeah, my exact but... my exact comment to you the day that trade came out when we spoke on the phone was I don't care who Lauren Dauphin, Colin or uh, Connor Murphy are, I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I'm I'm keeping an open mind on that one. That trade may end up panning out in the Hawks. Oh, yeah. You know, because here's the thing. I, Jalmerson is a free agent next summer and it's still possible. Some team is going to throw a based upon past record, throw a crap ton of money at him. And if he's on the downward slide, that's going to look really bad. Yeah. 
Um, so that could turn into a get, Brent Seabrook. Yeah, we got to wait and see with Murphy. And Murphy, by the way, there were rumors last year. I heard them that the Hawks might might part with him. That that they might have been talking to some teams about him. The latest I've heard is that the Hawks have kind of come around and said, "Yeah, we might want to hold on to him." So we'll see. Yeah, especially now you can't you can't unload him either. I mean, otherwise you're you're holes and yeah, you're you're in trouble if you're unloading to him too because you're not going to get equal equal value right now the way they've drawn you know the the way they've driven his market value down just like they did with you know Kepney. Yeah, so, right. Anyway, let's right. wrap this up with the last few questions. Ken Kallenbach, uh, we didn't forget about you. The first 30 games with a new team defense and system are often kind of a write-off for a goalie. Is Carolina cutting bait too early if they trade Darling now? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, and I would agree that, again, just like Brandon said, you can't, you can't necessarily go off of seven bad months. Um. You know, give them another shot. Uh, you're losing. So, they're losing Cam Ward, I believe. So, yeah. you know, bring another guy, bring another 1A, 1B guy in there and let him fight it out and, you know. Yeah, and that would lead some, some to ask the question, well, then why would the Hawks want him back? Because he did really well with Jimmy Wade. There's That's that's a really good point. And I, and I guess what it comes down to is, is Scott Darling is not the only goalie in the NHL. And if you're going to make a trade for a goalie, because you you're not sure that Corey Crawford can can play. Um, first of all, you may not be able to afford a four million dollar backup slash potential starter. Um, because if you've got a six million dollar salary wrapped up in Crawford, that's ten million in the position waiting to see whether Crawford can play. Hello, so, Dallas Stars. As as we've as we've said, the whole this whole season in many ways, and going back to the the question, um, I forget the guy's name about rebuild or or you know retool or or whatever chuck Bessler. Um, yeah it, it all comes back to crawford and whether he can play this year and and give you 60 65 healthy games you know as the Corey crawford of old if if he can then then you should be going all in while it lasts and and if he can't then it's a whole different conversation yeah, and shake it up this time for rebuild yeah, yeah. shake it up yeah because, but yeah. i just again I, we all love Scott Darling. We love the Scott Darling story. Don't get me wrong, but the reality of it is, is that he's he's a pretty fairly at this point. It's fair to say he's a high, he's an overpaid goalie who's you know somewhere between a one B and a backup. And there are better goalies out there if you're going to go out and trade for a goalie. Yeah, I think that hits it. I think we hit everything. All the questions, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Jason. Justin, he had a couple questions. Yeah, we're good. Those are all of our questions. I think we hit all of our points, my friend. Should we talk about Darling some more? No. <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, no, let's wrap no. it up with our Father's Day talk. You, you want ah, Yes. Well, Gate, happy Father's Day, pal. You too, my friend. You're a good dad, and uh, although your kids probably wouldn't attest to that right now. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, the pre-show, they heard, you, you got to listen to me uh, – scolding my kids for hitting each other and fighting yeah um but uh yes and and with that in mind um speaking as fathers and how much we we enjoy our kids and hey we enjoy a nice father's day gift um you know what better way to uh to uh sort of uh reward dad than to hook him up with some absolutely sweet and awesome 
rink gear, the rink.com gear from puck hockey, P U C K H C K Y.com. And it's so easy. You just get on the old computer hardware and, uh, and the old interwebs to, through AOL. You go to P U C K H C K Y.com. Um, and, uh, you know, go to the rink page and there, the stuff is really cool. I mean, with or without our logo on it, it would be really cool. Um, but it's, our logo happens to be on it and we support that. Um, so yeah, I mean, and you know, lickety split, you could spend, uh, you know, 15, 20, 30, perhaps three or $4,000, um, for dad on, on father's day. And, uh, the friendly postman will deliver it before, arguably, I think before you might pay a little bit more to get it before father's day. But uh, yeah, that's that's one option that's there for you. Yeah, and also you can go to the-rink.com. Uh, there is a whole, there are two sections. One of them is the link that will send you directly to puckhockey.com, and will send you it sends you directly to the rink page on puckhockey.com. And there is actually a preview. I've put together a preview page, a static page that has. Uh, all of the merch on it as well. So you can get a good look at it on our website. You click any of the pictures and it will send you right to puck hockey and you can buy your stuff there. So uh, we've made it easy in several ways to get your puck or your rink gear at puck, puck And uh, they also have some other great stuff, all the good metal stuff, oh, Exodus really Testament. Uh, all, I, I own a bunch of it. I have a bunch of it. Uh, they have the, the fast food theme stuff. They, they keep coming out with new stuff. They've got great stuff. We had Matt on, and we talked at length, and we gushed over yeah, him. Snoop Dogg signature line. Yes, they sir. They have uh, several metal bands. Um, Snoop <laughs> You bet. Um, uh, and are, you know, arguably, maybe my, my favorite hawk of all time, Marion Hosa. Uh, his personal signature line um, is on there. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's lots of cool stuff to choose from. Um I don't think that there's there's a hockey outfitter out there in terms of uh, you know clothing and merchandise that does a better job in terms of design than than puck hockey. Um, the I I love their stuff for years before they ever had a you know a twinkle in their eye for the rick.com clothing line. So um, yeah, go do it. Yeah, and if you if you look um, if if you're a fan of the Capitals, Stanley Cup champion Capitals, um, there's a special edition uh jersey for the band darkest hour that is in the capitals theme on the back it says lord stanley 18 so you could even get one of those uh you get lots of freebies when you get when you order from them they send you stickers with everything a lot of cool stuff i am sitting here recording right now in my blue my little royal blue the dash rink.com shirt in fact so uh the blue, we, it's cool. I've got the, I've got a black one. I've got a black uh, and a blue one, and I've got the baseball shirt, which is like a three quarter sleeve one. Oh yeah. And I've got a hat. So I've. So bought... there's two hats. There's the blue, the royal blue, You're right? Which is more of a traditional baseball cap, which I have. Then there is a two tone flat brim that I'm not the kind of guy who wears flat brims. Well, I've got a host of flat brims, so I, I do. Um, but um, the two tone flat brim is so cool, in my opinion. Um, so check that one out. Yeah. And you can get a hoodie. I've got a hoodie. It's got some cool, it's got the rink rat logo on the back, back of the neck. Um, and it may not be relevant right now, but we do have the flannel, but when, for those cold Chicago winters, uh, that will be perfect because those are heavy duty. So, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Quality stuff. So that being said, you know, I want to wish all of the rink rat fathers a happy father's day because that will be coming up Sunday. Um, yeah. And uh, that's about it from, from us here. So uh, you can find all of our wonderful content at www.the-rink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can find on Twitter at the Rinkcast. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Puck and Hostel. You can find you, sir, Mr. Jekyll, Mr. John Jekyll, at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L, on the Twitters. Uh, if you guys get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate and review us. Even if you only rate us, that's fine. But if you want to write a review, we'd appreciate that too. I still check them, you know, at least a couple times a week. Uh, we haven't had any new reviews up there, but if you want to, you know, write a funny review, put it up there. We'd really appreciate it, and I will read it on the air, um, good or bad. Whether no matter what John says, I'll force him to listen to it. Ah. <laughs> um, I have no. Oh, you know what? I have one plug. Um, anyone this summer, you want to get out? Uh, you live on the southwest side in the uh, Elsa slash Oklahoma area. I will be coaching my kid at Southwest Ball Hockey around 115th and uh, Central, between Central and Ridgeland. If anyone's familiar with it, come on out this summer and say hi. I would, uh, you know, all you rink rats, I, 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 you know, love meeting up and saying hi and getting to to talk offline with you guys. So, uh, you know, it's and we've a- also been been kicking around an idea. And I'm just going to throw this out, and and any of you listeners love to hear your feedback on this. Our own coach Bob Rose has uh, broached the sub, the topic of a, a possibly a rink.com hockey school, yeah. Um, that we would uh, sponsor and participate in. Um, might be a one-time deal. Could be two or three sessions at a rink in the Chicago area. Um, and it's the timing really comes down to you know when we first of all get off our butts and do it. There's a couple other significant um, improvements we're trying we're working on for the rink.com as well. Um, it is the dog days of summer and, uh, lots of other stuff going on. So, uh, we are a little bit behind, but, yeah. uh, the camp, uh, the camp or hockey school, whatever it ends up being, um, you know, that will be for, uh, adults, um, you know, who are, you know, either, you know, somewhere, uh, advanced in terms of their, their hockey playing or the hockey playing, you know, history, or, you know, just really want to learn about the game and get out and skates and, um, so it's, but that's, that's the, the broad concept and it would be with, uh, our own coach, Bob Rose, who has forgotten more about hockey skills than most of us know. Yes, for sure. So he is a wealth of knowledge. So let us know what you think about that. If yeah. you'd be interested in that, we'd, we'd probably, uh, you know, um, set it up in a way where, uh, you know, just sort of to, to cover the, uh, the ice fees and, um, you know, make it economical. And at the same time, it you know wouldn't be like the expressway at rush hour either. You'd have some room on the ice, and we'd limit the number of, of participants. So uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, hell, you may even have a goalie out there. Uh, a, a short, yeah. loudmouth, angry goalie. Go high. Go <laughs> high. <laughs> Shoot high, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and like I said, Southwest Ball Hockey, I'm going to be coaching out there this summer. So if, uh, if anyone's in the area and they want to stop by, uh, let me know, and I'll let you know when we're going to be playing or practicing. And I'd love to come and shoot the shit with you for a while. Uh, one last thing also as well. I kind of brought this up in, inside of our private hockey group. We, people had talked about going to the Sox game, maybe getting having a little rake get-together kind of thing. I will be at the Sox game on the 27th of June. 
a little special thing going on with uh, family and stuff. But I will be there. Anyone wants, you know, anyone that's going to be there at the game, love to meet up, drink a beer with you, say hi, talk, you know, talk the rink, talk Blackhawks, talk whatever. But uh, if you're going to be there or if you, you know, want to grab tickets and go, I'm just going to be out in the bleachers with, you know, family and friends. And there will be some other. I believe that the uh, official attorney. Yes. Yes. Rink.com. Uh, White Sox history, aka Vinny Boombots, yeah. will be there. Um, and uh, some of some of the other uh, uh, miscreants from our uh, from our Hawk Chat will be there as well. So yeah. I will not be there. I've got some business in Ohio the next day. So, um, but I'll be there in spirit. I'll be representing. Right on. Yeah. So if anyone wants to go out that game game on the twenty seventh, uh, the White Sox game on the twenty seventh, uh, you know, hey, let me know and uh, we can meet up, get together, and talk. So. Um, that's it for me. I think uh, you had your plugs in, so we're good I to have go, nothing. Huh? All right, you have nothing. I ruined everything. That's I an nothing. understatement. That's it. It's over. We have nothing. We're the worst. We've ruined good podcasts. We do all kinds We've of ruined the podcast. So, everyone, all you regrets, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the line.